Welcome to another podcast on the Word of God. Today we will be looking at Proper 7, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. So we celebrated the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, several weeks ago, and now we are counting down the weeks after Pentecost. And so you can look at this as the fourth Sunday after Pentecost or proper, the word proper and it will go from one to 29. And 29 will be the last number, and that's typically called the last Sunday after Pentecost. And it's actually also entitled Christ the King Sunday, Christ the King Sunday, where Christ is exalted and glorified at the end of time. He comes back to judge the living and the dead. And then we start with Advent and we get ready for his coming again. So we go to the very end and then we start at the very beginning in terms of Christ coming. Now, we talked last week about a new series of scriptures in Samuel and in Acts, and we will continue those readings today. As we go over 1 Samuel and Acts, continuation of Acts, and we will continue with Luke's gospel, and we will begin talking about Jesus' last couple of days and then his um, last supper, and him being arrested, etc. And that will carry in to the end of chapter 22, verse 51. Uh, he ascends into heaven. He ascends into heaven in Acts chapter 1 at the end of Luke chapter 24. But he will be resurrected in Luke 24. But in Luke 22 and 23, he is going to face his death. All right, we're back to 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 12. Now remember, the Philistines had captured the ark, if you didn't read ahead. I love reading ahead in this because it's really wonderful. I want to know what's going to happen because the ark has now been taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, have died, just as I said last week they were going to die. God said they would. A man from Benjamin, verse 12, ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the next day with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. When he arrived... Eli was sitting on his seat by the road watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the cry, he said, What is this uproar? Now the man hurried and came and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old. His eyes were set that he could not see. The man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. How did it go, my son? He who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great defeat among the people. Your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy. He had judged Israel 40 years So Eli died also, along with his two sons. The ark was captured by the Philistines. Now his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for pains came upon her. And about that time, this is chapter 4, verse 20, At about the time of her death, the women attended and said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have born a son. And she did not answer or pay attention. 
the, the glory, she named the, the child Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because his father, her father-in-law and her husband have died. The glory has departed from Israel. The ark of God has been captured. Now, without the ark of God, they have no chance of being able to go forward. This was a catastrophic situation. And so what we'll see in 1 Samuel chapter 5 is we've got the Philistines in the ark. So they captured it. And they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And they took it and they brought it in the house of Dagon. Now Dagon was their false god and they set the ark next to Dagon. This is fascinating. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of, ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and put it back in his place. So the ark is sitting there, Dagon's sitting here, and it's flat on the ground. When they rose the next morning, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord and the head of Dagon, and both his hands were lying down cut off on the threshold. The head and the hands cut. Only the trunk of Dagon was left. Everything about the ark was fine. Now, who is the real God? Well, obviously, Dagon is no God and cannot defeat Yahweh. Now the hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod. See, you don't want to go against the Lord. They were terrified. They were afflicted with tumors. The ark of Israel must not remain with us. That was their conclusion, obviously. His hand is hard against us and against Dagon, our God. So they gathered together and said, we got to get rid of this thing. we got to get rid of this thing. Let the ark of the God of Israel be brought around to Gath. So they brought it. They brought it. Brought the ark of Israel there. And the hand of the Lord was against the city, causing a very great panic. And tumors broke out on them. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And as soon as the ark of God came to Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, They have brought around to us the ark of the God of Israel to kill us and our people. Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it return to its own place that it might not kill us and its people. For there was a deadly panic throughout the whole city. The hand of God was very heavy there. So the Lord was very powerfully against them. The men who did not die were struck with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. So we'll see in chapter 6, and I'll give you a chance to read that for yourself. The ark was returned to Israel. In chapter 7, we have, and so enjoy reading that. In chapter 7, we have... The Samuel is going to judge Israel. He's going to lead Israel. He's the last great judge. Remember, I spoke about judges before they have a king. And in chapter 8, Israel says, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. We, we want somebody to lead us that is a king. Because the other nations have a king. We want a king. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, chapter 8, verse 7. And the Lord said, Obey the voice of the people and all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, who was the judge. But they have rejected me, 
from being king over them. Now, who was supposed to be the king? God was. It was a theocracy. God was the king. They didn't want a theocracy. They didn't want God to lead them. They wanted a human being to lead them. And Samuel warned them. They warned, he warned them of how dangerous this would be to go against the Lord. But the people of Israel refused to obey the voice of Samuel. Isn't that sad? Chapter 8, verse 19. No, there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. And so, in chapter 9, Saul is chosen to be the king. And I will not go through with you. I've just given you enough to think about today. Saul is chosen to be king. And read that again very slowly in chapter 9. You'll see that Saul is made the king. And Samuel anoints him. And so we see in this proper, this week, we see how the ark of God was extraordinarily powerful and how God destroyed the Philistines. He would have destroyed them all if they hadn't given up the ark. They received the ark. Samuel is made judge and rules with the Lord leading him, but the people do not want the Lord leading them. They want a king, and so Saul is their first king. Let's go to Acts chapter 5 as we continue our study of Acts together. Enjoy your reading this week of the book of Samuel. Beautiful book. Lots of wonderful stories and lots of great teachings about the Lord. Chapter 5, 12 to 26. Many signs and wonders were done. The apostles were arrested and freed. They were speaking about the Lord. Again, a wonderful historical reading, much like Samuel. They were speaking the word of the Lord. The people didn't like it. The leaders didn't like it. The leaders were not convinced who Jesus was. They were not convinced that Jesus was the king. He was the Messiah that he'd risen from the dead. And they wanted to stop their teaching. So again, enjoy this reading from Acts chapter 5. At the second half of Acts chapter 5, verse 27 to 42, we have the famous council. We strictly charge them, verse 28, not to teach in his name, that you filled Jerusalem with their teaching. We told you not to teach, and you kept teaching. You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Peter answered, we must obey God rather than men. Acts 5, 29, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Verse 31, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance of evil to Israel, I'm sorry, and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things. We're just witnessing. We're telling you what happened. And the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We are following the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, when they heard this, they were enraged. They wanted to kill him. They could have killed him. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamiel, a teacher of the law, honored by the people, stood up and said, Men of Israel, this is very wise 
teaching. Take care for what you were about to do to these men because they wanted to kill him because they couldn't stop him from speaking about Jesus. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So, in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, verse 39, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even find yourself opposing God. So they took his advice. They beat them. They charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and he let them go. And every day, in the temple from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. And so these incredible people were sharing the word of the Lord. And they did not relent. And they did not stop. And God protected them. And so they continued to share the message and undergo persecution. Now we'd like to look at Acts chapter 6. Now, in Acts chapter 6, we find the beginning of the diaconate the diaconate. And we have the 12 devoting themselves to the preaching of the gospel. And now we have to have some people that are going to take care of the brethren. They're going to serve tables, as it were. They, the apostles, will devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So the apostles need some help. And so the deacons are chosen. Now, the most famous person in this group is Stephen. And Stephen has a whole chapter to himself, chapter 7, which I hope that you will enjoy. The beginning and the end of Stephen's life in the sense that Stephen is speaking out the word of the Lord. Look at verse 8 of chapter 6. Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And the high priest spoke to him and so he was in and under some interrogation and in chapter 7 is a beautiful recapitulation of the history of Israel and what God had done so he reminds them he Stephen reminds them of all the great things that God had done now this speaks of the importance of knowing our history of knowing what we believe about the faith and of course Stephen is a very grateful, is very grateful for his understanding of his Jewish faith and shares that with the high priest. Now something quite ominous happens at the end of this and that is that Stephen is going to be martyred. Now we do not see this uh, in this particular week. We will see that next time but that is the end result of his life. But this recapitulation of Israel's beliefs and their history is very, very good. And so I commend that to your reading. Read that again slowly. And it may give you a better understanding of Israel's faith in kind of um, a small, bite-sized way. Uh, instead of reading all of the Old Testament and knowing every detail, this is a nice um, backdrop to it and a nice summary of the faith.
Next week, we'll talk about his death. Now, we want to talk now about the Gospel of Luke, and we're starting in chapter 21, 29. Go to Luke 21, 29. And we're looking at the lesson of the fig tree. Now, remember, we are at the end of Jesus' life. We are at the end of his life so that he will eventually be crucified, died, and buried. And he's sharing his ministry up until that, to the very end. So his teaching is very, very important. We have the lesson of the fig tree, followed by watching yourselves and be ready to stand before the Son of Man, Luke 21, 36. And every day, verse 37 of 21, he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Now, he had brought together a significant number of people that were very interested in him. A significant number of people that loved him, that wanted to hear him. And this was one of the concerns, if not the major concern, that the people that wanted to have Jesus killed were afraid of, and that is the people. They would have killed him a lot earlier, but of course, we are going by God's time and God's will rather than man's. When we get into the 22nd chapter of this particular week, proper seven, we are now getting into the end of Jesus' life. The plot to kill Jesus, Judas, of course, betrays Jesus. This is the beginning of chapter 22. The Passover, where he eats the Passover, and the institution of the Lord's Supper. We also have a dispute among them. Can you believe this? They are disputing in verses 24 to 30 of chapter 22, who is the greatest? Can you believe that Jesus is going to be mercilessly killed and they're worried about who the greatest is. They really don't have a good feel for what he is going through. Simon, Simon, verse 31. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you as wheat, but I have prayed to you that your faith may not fail, and when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter did not think he would deny Jesus, and as all of you know, he denied him three times. The scriptures are fulfilled with Jesus, and he prays on the Mount of Olives. Finally, he is betrayed and he is arrested. This was all according to the will of God. This was all according to the plan of God. It's important when you read this section that you realize that. Again, read it slowly. Read it carefully. Listen to what God is saying as we go through the steps towards Jesus' ultimate execution. We'll pick up the execution next week in proper eight. God bless you all. Enjoy the scriptures for this week and may your reading be filled with the Holy Spirit who will teach you and reveal to you all things. God bless you.